Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today, we're with Michael, our resident physiologist, Andrew Johnson, associate pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas, and I'm Matt Till. Hey, everyone. Good to be with you. And Andrew, Michael, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Advent. Wonderful season. So glad to see your guys' faces. It's been a minute. You know, my kids um, begged us to watch The Muppets, A Christmas Carol, recently. Um, (laughs) Then you have brilliant children. Yeah. You have brilliant children. Oh, yeah. This is already a shout out to friends of the pod, uh, Nate Goss and Ryan Ebling. Uh, that is one of Nate's absolute favorites. And is it really? Is it yes, really? It really is. That movie is incredible. I love it. <laughs> so your kids are my friends now. Yes. So so they begged <laughs> us to watch it. And then um, but but I'm not done. Then they begged us to never watch it again. Oh no. <laughs> Your friends and I have broken up. Your kids are no longer my well, friends. This is an well, issue. I, I should clarify. Uh, it, it's the ghost of Christmas future that just, you know, all of a sudden he just kind of leaves the yeah. nightmares. Oh, yeah. You know, actually, all of a sudden I, I you get, get to the that. ghost of Christmas future and you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I can handle this. It's a bit, it's a bit intense. There's no, yeah. there's no joke. I mean, with Waldorf and Statler, Marley and Marley, you know, it's tons of fun. And that yeah. song is incredible. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, it is creepy. And and then and then all of a sudden you get to the ghosts and you're kind of like, ghost of Christmas past. OK, ghost of Christmas present. OK. And then you get to the future and it's like this is this is scary death. Ghost story, death and dismay and separation eternal damnation the whole thing you know and it's it's all right there in front of them and they're kind of like yeah you don't know if i can handle this anymore so well uh, it's a fantastic view of the dickensian story and i am all for it so child uh does still children <laughs> i am going to disagree uh it does have the andrew johnson full stamp of approval here yeah i i'm sure we'll get around to watching it again at some point and uh i'm sure they'll they'll kind of forget the the initial you know, childlike fears that they have of the future. But, um, you know, actually, it's kind of an interesting concept to think about, though, don't you think, as we think through the Christmas season is and we think about what does an physiological Christmas look like as we live our lives on mission for Christ, but um, and for the gospel. But there's a sense of like, as we kind of live in this, like, post-COVID world and this world of disruption, disorientation, deconstruction, um, and trying to remain faithful to the gospel, you kind of think through, you know, you hit these seasons, these moments of life, and you start thinking about the past, you think about the present, and then you kind of worry about the future, um, or at least wonder about the future. Um, it seems to me like a, an interesting place to kind of talk about um, perhaps Christmas. I'm for it. I like the framing. Let's go for it. Well, you're the one who came up with it. So I did. So I have to be for it. Um, <laughs> it did. I mean, it just, it gets me wondering, like um, change seems to be the name of the game these days. And so um, when you have such change happening in your life and all around you, 
we tend to go back to what we know. We tend to go back to what is familiar. And so I, I did think I, I was wondering for you guys, um, I mean, I'll, I'll chime in too, but what are some of those Christmas familiarities of the past that you have loved and that you are still trying to see uh, as part of your Christmas celebrations? Um, again, I'm not talking like, do you make sure to have ham every year? Uh, more substantial than that. Like, what is that for you, Michael? Well, you know, for me, it's this uh, time of utter cultural confusion. I think Christmas is. Um, I love the I love the holiday. I think that Christmas might be my favorite Christian holiday, in the sense that we're celebrating something that had never happened before and will never happen again. Uh, God incarnating. Uh, I mean, that is just the greatest miracle in my mind. And if it weren't for that miracle, none of us would be here. And so, and so in that sense, I, I mean, I love the Christmas season. I love uh, hearing the carols and the, the Christmas hymns and even the newer uh, Christmas songs. I, I love hearing that. But it's it's a confusing time as well because everybody's singing these these uh, songs that we we know very well, and you just wonder. I, I mean, I find myself wondering every time I hear a carol come on the the radio since what before Thanksgiving now these days. How is it that people don't really understand who Christ is? I mean, we're singing about him in such. A uh, it really a beautiful, marvelous way, and it just puzzles me that we are in a cultural uh, climate now where Christianity is declining, and and uh, you know people are no longer going to church, and all of these things that we're so familiar with and that we talk about. But uh, but if there well, that's is the ghost of Christmas present. That's the ghost of Christmas present, Michael. So what are, what's the past? Yeah. What's the past that you want to see or well, you, that you love and want back? Oh, that well, um, yeah, that's such a good question. You know, because you make the comment earlier that change seems to be what is so familiar to us these days. And, you know, not, nothing's really changed except uh, that things continue to change. And that might be the one constant that we can always count on. I was reading a uh, chapter in a book this morning, a chapter that I had written about 12 years ago, just reflecting on the idea of post-Christendom and, um, and being amazed that 12 years ago uh, that we were talking about the things that we continue to talk about today. And so as I think about the past and uh, th this time of year, I, I guess I'm I'm just drawn to a, a hope and wanting to recover a hope that the Christmas story will be something that's understood by people in a special way this year, and that we can get away from the all the entrapments that Christmas has become. And so I, I guess Andrew, to answer your question, that's what I'm hoping for this Christmas is is that simple. Uh, Christmas reflection on who Jesus is and the significance of him coming and uh, to, and doing that with family. I mean, that's what we've enjoyed uh, with the kids for 
25, 26 years old. We have a 25 year old now, 25 years. That's insane. So for December 25th, celebrating 25 years, that's, uh, that's, that's good. Um, speaking of Christmas pasts, Michael also wrote a book in one of the Christmas pasts about Christmas. Michael, what is the name of that book so that people who have not read it might actually enjoy reading it as part of their Advent reflection? Yeah, that book is when, uh, oh, what is it called? Unwrapping the First Christmas. There you go. Unwrapping the First Christmas. Um, and that really is a book of uh, reflections on the Christmas story from early on, from you know not only the birth of Jesus, but even the development of the traditions over the course of history. And, and that, um, yeah, that's where, I mean, that's been a lot of my reflection over the past 25 years of Christmas. Well, I feel better. I feel, I feel reassured that I forgot the title when the author forgets the title of his own book (laughs) that I feel grace in that. I feel grace in that. Matt, how are you feeling about the past? Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, mixed emotions to be honest with you. Um, probably like, uh, I'm glad I'm not alone. Yeah. Well, you know, I think because when we think about the past, the past can bring back nostalgia. It can bring back fond memories and fondness and warmth and uh, joy and happiness, right? I can think back to times where, you know, there's those gifts under the tree as a child and the mystery, the wonder, the the opening up of the presents, um, you know, going to a midnight um, or yeah, we, my family wouldn't do this very often, but when we would, you go to a midnight candlelight service or something on Christmas Eve. I mean, you know, those are as sometimes as rough as that is as a child, you kind of walk away with an impression. Like I got to stay up past midnight and we got to light candles, you know, and then just this beauty of the sanctuary, just kind of, you know, glowing with everyone's candles and just feel unified together as a community of people and faith. Um, but sometimes the past also kind of haunts us, doesn't it? I mean, in that Charles Dickens way, like the, the past actually can come back and go, yeah, there was some times where, you know, maybe there were family arguments or there was a, um, some sort of, uh, you know, a division within the family dynamics, whether it was within your own household or perhaps with uh, extended relatives or maybe, you know, um, wh- whatever the case may be, or, you know, and, or maybe you didn't get what you wanted that year for Christmas <laughs> or maybe money was tight. You couldn't actually give the way you used to give. Um, maybe somebody... Maybe a loved one had passed away that uh, that year or pre- in the previous years or something like that. And every time you come around to Christmas, you're you're left with the the memory of the loved one, and it's it's bringing back you know um, hard feelings or it's bringing back sadness. And so, I think the past does in some ways kind of haunt us in in both positive and in negative ways, or at least ways that feel like these are the moments that shaped us and. And that's what's interesting about holidays like this and these these demarcations, right? And then on a faith journey, we, of course, always are trying to get in touch with our roots. We're trying to get in touch with the historic. We're trying to get in touch with the the ancient. And, um, and who is this Jesus that walked the earth? Um, 
you know, 2000 years ago, what was it, what was it like to be in that manger? That's, you know, what we assume is a stable, but Michael corrected us. It was probably a cave at best, um, you know, or a side room. Um, but you know, it's, it's the, you know, you're trying to get in touch with those, those original first century. What was that moment like? And by the way, we know it wasn't in December 25th. We know it was somewhere probably in the springtime. Um, yeah. Disaster. Right. And so, you know, I think when we we think about these things and we think about our, we study history, we study the scriptures, um, it can be mixed with all sorts of feelings. And so you're not really sure which one to to hang the present on, right? Like if, I, if I'm living in the moment, but I think about the past, well, which which branch am I going to hang this on today? Am I going to hang it on the the hard, you know, the, the, the difficult feelings? Am I going to hang it on that loved one? Am I going to hang it on? The, the the specifics of the scriptural narrative. Am I going to hang it on? Why are we celebrating Christmas on December twenty fifth when it probably was closer to April or May? You know, it's like you know what which which branch are you going to choose to hang it on? And so I think sometimes the past is hard to think about, and some people don't always want to go down that road. Um, and and so I think uh, I think con- inner conflict I think can um, is a natural response. I think you're, you're touching on something that reminds me of. Uh... Well, I mean, obviously you're, you're pointing to Dickens and um, the excellent tale that both has the tales of joy and the tales of sadness in the past, right? Like it doesn't exist in this, um, this uh, glossy manner where all of the bad is taken away. Actually, it does remind me of um, Inside Out uh, from Pixar, right? Like our emotions are not ever just purely one and purely the other. It is, it is the simultaneous mix. And sometimes that mix is hard. It's complex. Um, I'm looking forward to, I will say looking, looking back and, and at my own childhood and some of my own Christmas experiences, we're kind of excited, not kind of, we are excited because we'll be back in Indianapolis this year for Christmas. And so um, my kids haven't had a Christmas in Indy in quite a few years. And so my parents are going to be what we call uh, grandparent Disneyland. And so all the minions will be there and they will be thrilled. And so we're super excited uh, to be back up North. Um, just if you are listening right now, just start praying for a white Christmas, start yeah. praying for a white Christmas in the Midwest. We in Indianapolis, I would love to see that my kids are, they would lose their minds. So we're, we're, we're hoping that. the same now, now having transplanted to South Florida, uh, our, right. we're actually, we're going to be up in Chicago for Christmas as well. And so we're yeah. hoping for the same thing is like, you know, snow a lot while we're there so that, uh, we get the taste and, our kids can enjoy it as well. And then we're going to hightail it out of there. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Christmas, in, Christmas in Florida. I, I can remember years and years ago, I was down there teaching a course and it was around Christmas time and just how strange it seemed to see palm trees decorated. And, you know, it, it, you have the bright sunshine and the warm weather and here coming from the Midwest where we're used to freezing weather and snow and, and I will tell you numbers. yeah yeah I will tell you right now it's weird it's it's actually yes. hard to get in the christmas spirit right now yes. because yes. and I can see yes. why people overcompensate with their mm-hmm. decor is you're you're trying to overcompensate the weather cues you know what I mean that you the natural season cues that you would have 
you know, and it's, it feels bizarre. It, it really does. And so it makes you think about those Christmas pasts of like, Oh, the cold weather, the, the gloves, you know, around the hot chocolate and going outside looking for the Christmas tree. You know, it's like all those, those experiences are, are now gone. And so you're trying to like, think through like, okay, well, is the meaning of the season based is solely contingent upon that, or is it on something else? And you know, so I think it actually, in some ways, kind of forces us to, to kind of get outside of ourselves and have to rework yep. and retrain the brain. But yeah, I can totally. It's it's bizarre. I mean, it's sunny and eighty degrees today, and you know, we're you know we're not too far from Christmas right now, and so it's 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 a it's a weird it's a weird feeling. But the tree's been up. We actually put our tree Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving this year. Um, oh wow! And yeah, because and mostly because we knew we we're going to be gone right at Christmas, you know? So we yep. thought, well, let's get it up now and just kind of enjoy it. And it was accessible, but um, yeah, but it's, it's been up for a while, but it's, it's kind of, it's weird. But you I know, will it's say interesting this. how culture influences our understanding of Christmas. Yes. Our Christmas I was experience. just thinking that. Yeah. Well, and that's what that's been exposing for us is actually like, I walked into Starbucks yesterday and of course, Starbucks is marketed out with Christmas. It's the red cups, the red menus, everything is Christmas in Starbucks. Almost definitely. And so my experience with it has always been their winter cues are also there in terms of the environment, but I walk in and it's like, Whoa, where did I get transported into? And I come back out again, you know, it's like, it's summertime again. Um, so yeah, it actually has exposed the, the commercialization and the cultural influence and impulse on the Christmas season. And so I think, you know, you know, Michael, you were just saying a little bit ago about like, well, it, it mystifies me that why are we in this culture that, doesn't seem to understand and recognize what this is, you know, why do we, we're singing these songs about Christ, but why does the culture not understand it? Well, I think because the culture is, is totally made, Jesus is out of Christmas. I mean, it's, it's, it, unless you are a church member or somebody who grew, grew up in the faith, it's, it's removed. I mean, you, it has functionally been green tree, pine trees, lights, Santa Claus, and now the Mandalorian, I mean, and everyone's yard. <laughs> yeah. And well, so Matt, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that the, the, the cultural marketing has, has won the day. Um, Are they you own saying, Christmas. did you put the, put the Christ back in Christmas bumper sticker on no. your car? No, okay. I did not. I, but I thought, I thought that you just said that. No, um, I, no, I did not. Uh, How dare you accuse I, me? I would say, I think I'm going to just stop myself. From, we're not going to go down that road. What I do think is that this is the same thing with all of it. We, as a people, like what Jesus has brought, but we don't like the way in which it comes about because it's kind of uncomfortable what it, what it calls out in us. And so what we like is that result, that loving others, that serving others, that putting others first. And so temporarily for a season, it's easy as a culture to embrace that. But when we start looking about how that came about, you know, like the, the God man coming down to earth in the form of a baby to then come and call the captives to freedom and then die and raise again, that's really muddying the waters. That's the complication, right? And so mm-hmm. let's, let's simplify because Jesus makes it complicated. Let's just excise him out of that. And thus we can say Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas is love and it's family. 
and it's red and it's green and it's warm feelings like coffee in the body, like hot chocolate in the body. Jolly. And, and that, that is what the season is, but the complication is actually what brings it. It's substance. And I, I don't want to go too long on this because then we sound like cranky old people, right? Like I just wish it was the way that it used to be. Like we don't need that, but I, I think there is certainly a call. It's not for a way it used to be because frankly, it hasn't been like that, right? Like culture overall for decade upon decade has cut Jesus out of Christmas and marketed him out because he makes things complicated. Uh, it's really a call, a desire to return to, gosh, now, now we're talking about full cliches, the reason for the season, right? Jesus, it's uh, Eisman still to celebrate him. Did you say the Heisman still follows him? Is that a, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay. So if, if we, if we turn the attention away from the, the ghost of the Christmas past, some of our own experiences, both good and bad, the complications that exist with the feelings of Christmas, then how are you guys feeling about the ghost of pr- Christmas present? I, how are your feelings that, about Christmas this year and our still yet COVID reality? I just, let's just put all the complications out there. How are you guys feeling about Christmas this year? Um, in the, I'll keep it the Charles Dickens theme. In, in the Dickens um, story, the ghost of Christmas present is the ghost of awareness and he makes uh scrooge aware of his present surrounding and the reality that he lives in and the one that he has long ignored and so i think as i think about the present the ghost of christmas present i feel like i've become more aware um of our own state of being, our own state of existence, our own, um, you know, I, I think the the trials that we face as a society and as a culture, um, and sometimes with really no activity, with no with no real solution, <laughs> you know what I mean. But if anything, it's it's an awareness and and a growing of a heart, you know, and kind of like the uh, really a humbling. Um, season, I think. And that's kind of what was last year. And I think again, this year, maybe even more so. Michael, what do you think? We well, can expand you know, I on was, that more. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to expand on it any more than what you have, but if, for me, I think of, you know, the ghost of the Christmas present um, is uh, helping me to get excited in some ways that, you know, I know that our children are coming home uh, I can't wait for that. We have so much fun together and, and Lori and I miss that. And so just the anticipation of them coming home and being here for Christmas morning and, and, uh, even the days leading up to it and the days following and just enjoying those times with our family, um, are, are exciting me for Christmas season. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I, it's a confusing, it is. I mean, we live in confusing times today and uh, COVID has exacerbated that and, and has made us aware of things that we haven't been aware of in our past and has, uh, has particularly made us aware of dependencies that we might have had on, on uh, the way in which we've done things 
in the past, and now all of those things are changing for some. Uh, for others, you know, it's the status quo, and and they're moving on and and uh, trying to recover uh, what they've lost in the past two years, I suppose, and uh, trying to trying to get back to the way things were in 2019. So yeah, it's. I mean, we are living in interesting times for sure. But what a hope there is when we think about Christmas. And uh, and that's really what Christmas for us as believers is about, the hope of eternity with Christ um, and what the what privilege we have even now and, and how culture has set up this opportunity really for us to talk about that with other people. And so I, I think... Um, taking those opportunities as we're engaging with people, whether it's in our stores or as we're shopping for Christmas items or our neighbors or whomever we would come in contact with. Um, everybody's thinking about Christmas and, and uh, it provides some wonderful opportunities for conversations. Usually every Christmas I have my very large Santa hat and I wear it everywhere. I've already been mocked so much by my friends who think it's ridiculous. Uh, one friend, Tim, uh, actually called over every adult that was in uh, uh, earshot to say, what do you think about a grown man that decides to wear a fluffy Christmas hat technically before the date of December? Because I do it the day after Thanksgiving, right? Like Christmas season is on. When Christmas music is allowed to be played, my Santa hat goes on. Um, and so, uh, but I really do enjoy when people are kind of caught unawares that a grown man is wearing a Santa hat, um, and they comment on it. It is kind of fun to just, it's, it's the thing that allows me to engage in conversation mm-hmm. and, and talk about Jesus and, uh, the fact that he is the bringer of joy, not just a, a trinket on top of my head. Um, and so, like, I enjoy that opportunity, and I I hope to continue to have that opportunity this season again. Um, I'll say that this season, quite literally, um, Matt, you talk about awareness. You talk about, um, I mean, not trying to go full Debbie Downer, right? To be like, are you aware of how much suffering everybody is going through around you? If not, you know. Right. It yeah. Be sad without going, without going full woke wokeness. Right. <laughs> we're not talking. No. We're no. Yeah. No. No. We're not going there. Uh, I think that there is. So for me, I'm answering for me. Right. I'm I'm the person on the pod talking, so I'm not speaking for everybody. So right before uh, right before Thanksgiving, uh, Megan and I got uh, COVID, and um. It and was you're both a, feeling better, correct? Yes, we are. Give an update for the audience, by the yeah, way. Update, we, we've heard yeah, this. I would say uh, we, we weren't doing well, but uh, we are doing well and it's fine now. But the reason I bring it up is that coming into the Christmas season, there was a unique and a different feeling of suffering that we were experiencing. There was a, a different experience of life. Uh, and uh, if y'all want to go back or, or go and listen to my sermon from this past Sunday, Neartown Church's podcast. I think it's on Spotify. So if you're listening to this, you can just as easy and go and find that. Um, 
about the promised savior. And uh, in my intro, I was talking about uh, how for this season right now, going through the suffering that we are going through, I'm reading uh, Prayer in the Night by Tish Harris and Warren. And that is really encouraging me to look towards God in a unique way to see his presence, to see his care for me uh, in a way that I may not have. And then combine that with, uh, I've spent a good amount of time in Isaiah, uh, right at the start of Advent. And that's what my sermon was on is kind of on this promised savior. And so I just was doing a deep dive in Isaiah and I'll tell you guys, I mean, there were times that I was rereading and rereading passages to the point of almost tears. Um, actually even the night before kind of culling the final scripture list that I was going to read, there was a few that I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to read this tomorrow without crying just because of the tenderness and the care and the hope that God was talking about as the reality when the Christ child came and the life and the, and the joy that he would bring. And the result of that in my life and in anybody else who would call him King, I was, I was so elated. So I will tell you all for me personally, going through the suffering that I have been going through, looking towards God as that sustenance, as that uh, healer and joy bringer, combined with just being stuck in Isaiah and, and seeing the hope that was there and prophesied. Like, I think right now at this recording, I am the most excited I have been about Christmas in a very long time because I just feel I have my eyes glued on that hope, on mm -hmm. that joy, on that peace. And talking about the complications of Christmas brings the richness, right? It doesn't take it away. It gives it its substance. And I am so excited that Christ has come and worked such a difficult road through suffering, through death to bring a life and a hope that I could know in no other way. And if, uh, yeah, I could go on. Um, in fact, I did. It was a very not short sermon. So <laughs> we're, getting um, a, we're getting a little taste here. Yeah. Near Town uh, Church, Houston, Texas podcast. Look it up. I will tell you all. I, I'm Johnson. very excited. Uh, spend some time in Isaiah, like for real. Like I know it's 66 books. Um, I love Isaiah. I love Jeremiah. But it is so good. And if you don't have the attention span or you don't, you feel like you don't have a good grasp, I really would encourage anybody to go watch the, uh, there's, it's a two part video series. I think they're each like eight minutes long from the Bible project explaining just kind of the framework of Isaiah. It's really good. It's really, really, really good. So, so on that, you know, I'm speak of awareness, right? Um, speaking of that kind of that sense of like, what does Christmas, the spirit of Christmas present feel like, um, you know, is also on that same, on the other side of that coin is exactly what you're talking about is, is one side trial, tribulation, struggle, hurt, pain, suffering, um, for feeling forgotten, feeling lost wounded you go the the list goes on and on the other side is hope and and the other side of that is hope joy peace and you know i'm just thinking about when 
the the narrative right out of Luke when the shepherds are greeted by the angels. And the one says to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, not just some, but for all the people, everyone, it, the, the, the good news for all, meaning you are seen even no matter how Christmas feels today, no matter how Christmas season feels right now, even though how different it might be. No matter what uh, struggles or trials you have encountered in the past that are feeding the present narrative of your day, the, f- the present story is that it doesn't like this is a moment, but there is still good news of great joy that is for all. You are not forgotten. You are not lost. You are not apart. And we have a savior who loves us, who's come to redeem us, who's come to save, redeem, restore. And so I, you know, so I, I, you, to be in touch with that is to also be in touch with all aspects of the present, right? It's not just, we can't ignore the one side, but both sides of the coin matter. Yeah. I, uh, when you were talking about it, I was like, I'm just going to pull up that verse because just hearing you talk like, this is the opportunity that we have during this season. Um, it's Isaiah 25 and I'll just read seven, eight, and nine. Um, on this mountain, he will swallow up the burial shroud the shroud over all the peoples, the sheet covering all the nations. When he has swallowed up death once and for all, the Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken on that day. It will be said, look, this is our God. We have waited for him and he has saved us. Mm. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let's rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Um, that was the one that I thought I wasn't going to be able to hold it together for just this opportunity to really, to shout from the mountaintops, to say to your neighbors, this is our God. This is our God. And we have waited for him and he has brought us salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, the cry for the present hope for a future. I mean, it's, uh, it's good. It's really, it's really, really, really good. Yeah. I, I like that a lot, Andrew. And, you know, Jesus isn't who culture has made him to be. And uh, I think, and thank verse, God, really, like, I'm so yeah. thankful. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. But, but uh, doesn't culture like the Jesus that culture has created more than the Jesus who really is. And, uh, and that's, that's the difficulties for uh, us as we try to navigate the cultural moment that we're in, uh, especially around the Christmas season. Can't I also in a loving way, not push back, but agree with you and kind of don't we like the version of Jesus we've made up better than the one that comes at us from scripture too. Like, in a way, we're no different from our culture. We've just, sometimes we have made him into something that he's not too. Like I, it's, it's a, um, in saying that not the co- topic of conversation that we're having right now, like we're way off. I'm saying scripture is constantly reminding us of who Jesus really is. Scripture is constantly pointing to how he is the savior, how he is the Lord. And 
at least in my own life, again, Michael, I'm not putting anything on you. I'm saying I am constantly reminded I have manufactured Jesus to be something that he is not. And sometimes at the Christmas season is a reminder of you've tried to fit him into a nice little box. He doesn't fit in your box. He's way bigger than that. And it's actually a really encouraging season to come back to scripture again and be reminded of how much more he is than I have made him to be, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was why last year uh, during the Christmas season, I uh, spent my time in the book of Revelation. And because that's where we see Jesus as he is today. Uh, when John gives us that beautiful picture in chapter one of who he encounters, uh, he is a, a person of awe and uh, of such awe that John falls down as if he's dead before him. Um, and, and, uh, and that's the Jesus we worship. That's the Jesus who comes from that cradle who at first is incarnated into that cradle, comes out of that cradle to the cross and ultimately ascends to the heavens. That, that's the Jesus that we will meet, not the little baby in the cradle. It, those are nice stories, but it's that aw, awesome uh, being who we will stand before and most likely will respond like John and just fall in fear of who we're standing before. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, Chris, that's, that's the whole Christmas story. The Christmas story doesn't end in Matthew chapter three or Luke chapter three, but, but continues with a, with a little baby Jesus, with the little baby Jesus, that Christmas story continues to him ascending to his throne. And, uh, and I think that's, I mean, in many ways, that's, that's the real beauty of Christmas is seeing that 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 little baby as Isaiah and uh, the prophets predicted is indeed God who we worship. And I think this is something that I I was lacking you talk about Christmas past. Uh when I grew up it was it was very much Christmas, right? The baby Jesus has come and and yes he is that savior but let's celebrate his coming and and I think in my older years more recently I have leaned into the tradition that wasn't always celebrated in my church, but leaning into Advent, right? This, this expectant, he has come and he is coming again to set up his throne. We, we are eagerly awaiting his return. Uh, he was victorious and he will return victorious. And um, I have probably within the last, uh, I don't know the number of years, have been doing a much better job in my mind with more excitement about that dual expectation, right? That shared expectation shared by the people waiting for their savior to come for the first time. And then the expectation we hold today, desperate to see his return to stand mm. and hold both sides. Well, um, yeah. I think I'd, I'd, I'd add into that something in the middle that, you know, it's the Jesus who was victorious and it's the Jesus who is victorious, even in our present. Right, 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 right. He will be ultimately victorious. And it's and and uh, coming to a deeper appreciation for the Jesus who is victorious right now. Um, yes, I, I think too is is something that I would love to see recovered in Christmas futures. 
Well, there you go. There's our lead in. There it is. There it is. He just did it. Okay. Well, now for you, Matt, what's the, what's the seg? We're riding the Segway. Christmas future. Yeah. The ghost of Christmas future, man. You know, it's so hard to predict. I mean, that's the beauty of the Charles Dickens story, isn't it? Is you get, everybody wants to see the future. And uh, unfortunately for Scrooge, it was not a happy one. Um, And it was a a very frightful one. Um, And if I kind of go on that theme, I guess you kind of have like the fears of the future, like what you don't want it to be, right? You don't want it to be self-absorbed, lonely, um, and realizing at the end of your life, you've left everyone out you know you've you've missed out on the important things of life the important connections um that somehow you didn't live your life um in such a way that um loved others but more importantly also just as much or just as importantly loved god and um and so i think if i if i dwell on what the future may hold or what that ghost of Christmas future may be speaking and saying the spirit of let's say, um, the Holy spirit, um, it's a love of God and a love of others, uh, a greater love of God and a greater love of others, um, to that point of ultimate fulfillment, um, that we all long for. And I think that's, isn't that kind of what, you know, we, every Christmas is reminding us of is while we can, dwell on the past and think about the past and reflect on the past and try to pull back those good memories, make new ones in the present. We still are reminded of our shortcomings. We're still reminded of our failures. We're still reminded of the imperfection of life of both past and present. And we're still longing for and hoping for a better future, a greater hope. And um, Michael, as you said, it's there's a victory in Christ that which we have today that um, we are people with a hope. We are people with, um, with peace and joy that has been given and granted to us. Um, and yet it's still yet not fully attained yet. <laughs> you know, there's still the, but yet it's what the reformers, you know, said the already, but not yet. Um, and so we, we, we simply know that there's still, there's another year, there's another time, there's another chance, there's another opportunity. Um, and, uh, and so that, you know, my, my hope would be for the, 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 the Christmas futures is a growing love of God and a growing love for others. Mm-hmm. Top that all Matt hopes for is a growing love, uh, and, and appreciate a love of God and love of others. So, um, yeah, sorry, yeah, I, now went you have there, to beat that. I went there. Yeah. I, I, I went there and took it out. I didn't have anything silly to, to, to add in there. I'll leave that up to you, Andrew. <laughs> You know, I'll do my part. Oh, I know you will. Well, no, I I mean, Matt, you say it beautifully. Um, What keeps running through my mind is, you know, there is the hope for those things, the love of God, the love of others. And then there's the reality of a trajectory that we're on that tells me we're not going to get there if we keep heading in the direction that we're heading. And so the ghost of Christmas future that I see is one of continuing decline, continuing fragmentation of our society, uh, a continuing consumerism that Christmas has become, and uh, ultimately a, a, a complete forgetfulness of who 
Christmas is about. And that that's burdensome for me. And I know for you guys as well. I keep thinking, Michael, I was hoping you were going to bring that up. I just think that that is also, you know, the ghost of Christmas future is revealing to Scrooge. If you continue going the way you are going, this is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And it horrifies Scrooge. It horrifies him such that when he wakes up, when I say again, he is redeemed, I, I say it, he has absolutely, uh, he is repented. Let's just say that, that the way he was going was going to lead to one direction and he turns around entirely and runs the other way because he sees that the direction that he's leading is going to lead to suffering. It is going to lead to pain. Um, if we look around at the church in America, if we, you know, depends on what not church. just the church. I mean, not just the church, the culture, I think is, is what we need to be focusing on. I mean, we talk so much about the church and its decline and how people are leaving the church and so on. Uh, but God is always going to keep us church no matter what, but our culture today has, uh, you know, in large measure rejecting the, the baby Jesus as, as well as the King Jesus, uh, the God who has come and the God who is. And, uh, and yeah, yeah that's but concerning. I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm just not feeling it in the way that I want to say the culture today is worse. And I'm not saying that you're saying that the culture today is worse. Yes. The culture today is not embracing the Christ child. The culture has never, ever, ever embraced the Christ child in the way that he came as declaring himself to be Lord that we all needed to submit to him. I mean, every culture through all time has found new and different ways to reject God. And so, yes, we are wise to look at the culture today and say, how is this culture rejecting God in a new way? And how can we continue to to preach this message of a a redeemer who has come and and what's the the specific way that this redeemer can speak to the ways this culture is running against right. him but i don't want to talk about it in terms of like uh, the valuation cuz sometimes that is i mean honestly that's what i was raised in i was raised in that the, this is this culture has run away from god and it's a godless culture and can't you see the new ways that all the liberals are taking us away from jesus and it's like it, it just becomes the new playbook, right? It it just be it's the same old story. The same politicians and the same church leaders are using the same anti-culture rants now uh to try to paint everything blacker or darker, you know. Uh the, yeah, I'll save my uh joke there. So I will say that the the truth of the matter is culture has a new way that it is rejecting our king. Well, no, I, I would put it this way, Andrew, and see if you agree with me or not. But uh, yeah, there, I mean, there is a new way that culture is rejecting Christ, but it's not just the rejection of Christ. It's where culture is trying to find its hope, um, where we're placing our hope as a society. It, we no longer place it in the confidence that we might have had in the church or in Christianity or in religion or in politicians or those things. But but definitely the society, culture, 
is looking for hope and they're finding hope. And oftentimes it's found in a selfish ambition of more money or more things or something that's going to give temporal pleasure. Um, and there, and that's the search for hope. And, you know, the, what's concerning about the Christmas season to me, as I look into the future is just how long it's getting. I mean, Christmas is starting the season of consumerism is starting before Thanksgiving now. And, uh, and, and, you know, before too long, it's going to kind of converge with Halloween and, uh, and then on the other side with the Easter and the Easter bunny, and we're just going to be coming, become this culture that's always trying to find its hope and what it can buy, what it can consume, uh, what it is that will make it feel better in a temporal sense. And, and yeah, so that, that's my concern for the Christmas future, the ghost of Christmas future. Well, I think I, I'm going to sound like old Scrooge and just say bah humbug. I, I think that um, some of the things that you're seeing and are frustrated by, I just, I'm not seeing them as new and that consumerism and the, the uh, seeking to attain hope in the, um, in the things and uh, not in Christ. I'm, I'm looking back at history and I'm seeing a really long trajectory saying that that was how it's been. And so this is, this is uh, playing it out in a, uh, not so new way. It's just different. That's all different ways. And, uh, but again, I'm, I'm not here to argue with you. You and I are both saying, stop chasing that, <laughs> right? Like that will, the hope that you all are chasing is not going to lead you to the, to the life, to the salvation, to, uh, to the peace that you want. It will never lead to it. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. And the reason I brought up the church, Michael, and where we kind of got off on this tangent is when I say the trajectory of some of the churches, if some of the churches are continuing to put their hope in, let's continue to build big buildings. Let's continue to attract large crowds. Let's continue to, to launch large. And, uh, and this is where the church is headed. Well, I think the trajectory of that being the hope for the church of the future uh, mm. seems kind of creepy, like death with its, you know, skeleton like hands pointing there and saying, this is the death that is coming to you. If you can continue to put your hope in systems and in buildings and in uh, the way things were, it's just not going to lead where you want to a thriving church that is having an impact, not just on culture, but on the renewal of people. Um, Going to have to try a different path. And so I think what my hope is for the church of the future is continuing to get our eyes off of the methods and the ways of just uh, trying it, trying the same thing in a slightly different way but to say, let's start chasing after Jesus and, and the people that he is calling to himself. Um, let's stop trying to, to duplicate models that have failed, right? My, my hope for the Christmas of the future is churches actually seeing themselves as being the people in the communities um, that are changed by Christ and that families uh, gather in homes and are excited uh, by the, the change 
and the joy and the peace that he brings. I don't know. I think I'm about to get on a soapbox and my soapbox is feeling a little rickety. So I'm going to step <laughs> off now. Uh, but um, those are some of the things that I'm thinking about as looking ahead. Well, you know, and I just, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if this closed the loop or at least just to kind of add my two cents, but I, I think, you know, as I, as I look back at that Christmas narrative and I'm now in going backwards a little bit here into, well, looking at Luke chapter one, the end of it, and it's the prophecy of Zechariah after the birth of his son, which is John the Baptist and the prophecy in which he speaks about John, but whom John prefigures and is announcing and that, of course, is going to be Jesus and how he's going to go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And, and so I, I think as I, as I look at the Christmas future and the present and the past is what makes the past so difficult and the present so difficult sometimes is um, we're not proud of our past. Not many of us have, you know, th there are moments of memory, but there's not much that we can always point to that we're like, well, I'm proud of everything I've done in the past. And sometimes then we look at the present and we go, man, I, I, I feel like present day is better, but I'm still not proud of the present right now. <laughs> there's still some work to be undone in my own life. And then to take it to a communal sense, which you know, this was a communal story. This is a communal experience. This is a communal people um, in which these scriptures are written to and for. And at the fear of sounding a bit woke here for some of our audience, um, take it or leave it. But if we are going to be a people that reconcile our own cultural, societal um, past, even as a nation, as a country, which we should do, let us be okay with not being okay with and not being always proud of our past. And let's also look at the present and say, it's okay that we're not very proud of the present right now, but yet we look for the future. But in that's, and that's hard. It's scary when there is no forgiveness of past and present Christmas. Mm -hmm. If there is no forgiveness, then the future is the most frightening thing we could think of is because then there is no hope. There is nothing Then we, then we're going to find hope in just satisfying and covering up what we're afraid of. And that is judgment, um, judgment of even just our, our peers, uh, you know, not even thinking about the, the eternal state right now, just, just thinking of our peers, like nobody wants to be judged for doing anything wrong, but if we could just own own the dirt, own the messy and say, and know that this is what Christmas is. It is covering forgiveness, love and acceptance. Then suddenly things start looking a little brighter because we know we don't have to live in the past. We don't have to live in the present, but yet we can live for the future where there is forgiveness, not just for myself, but for one another, for each other and say, this is, we must do better. We can do better and we will be better people. The peace, the joy that is promised to us in Christ, because there is forgiveness and when the church and we as bearers in the image of God and Jesus Christ begin to preach that message to ourselves 
and to others, that is the spirit of Christmas future that I long for. Mm. Right. And that's, and the cry that you're doing is exactly what I always chuckle about when people are like, can't we just have Christmas all year long? And for those of us who are Christians, we're kind of like, we're, we're, we've been nodding silently the whole time. Yes. We, this is exactly what we are asking for. We are asking for the results of a promised savior who has come and has come to make all things new. Like, He's doing that through you, he, through me. That that is the work of the Holy Spirit in us to bring about that newness, that forgiveness, that love, that uh, that attitude um, every day, every day. It doesn't take a living Christmas tree of adults singing carols at Christmas time. Do you guys ever? Do you ever understand the the living Christmas tree? Your oh, faces. I I I went to one of those one time, Andrew. This is kind of funny when I was in college at a Baptist church in college station, Texas. And uh, it was a huge singing Christmas tree, living Christmas tree. And it was so well, is this funny. what I see every year at uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade where they bring it out on a float and people are like on the tree. Yeah. Well, this, at this one, the, I would the, say the, describe the, this to Matt. I don't think he's understanding the glory of this. Yeah, well, the, the funny really? thing about this one was that it, it was filled with uh, retired people, uh, particularly women who used yes. peroxide hair dye. And when the, <laughs> the, uh, when the lights were turned down and the, the blue lights were shining, their, all of their hair just glowed <laughs> radiantly in that tree. <laughs> so really, the tree really did light up. Oh, is what you're up. saying. That did. And it uh, got us uh, all juggling. The blue haired women. I love it. Yeah. We love you too. <laughs> so Matt, we love they're you, usually like, they're like and what? June. Five, five layers tall sometimes of yeah, people. I, I don't remember what this Maybe one was. Maybe even six. Huge. And so you, you have rows of choir that the are shaped pagan, like a Christmas the pagan, tree. The pagan Christmas tree meets baby mm. jesus mm. And, the, and the pastor gets up and he has the audacity mm. to say put christ back in christmas and bring the christmas audacity. every day yeah how dare he yeah the audacity and while while he celebrates the paganism i love it yeah the dissonance <laughs> is rich here folks yeah we do a lot of complaining i love it yeah no this is good hey so um uh well merry christmas to you guys uh this is fun i hope it has been an encouragement to our audience as well any parting wisdom words for us in the uh, in the Charles Dickens way? Uh, I was just gonna say, what's the what's the Christmas movie you're gonna watch that you want to make sure you watch as a family and you want our our people to watch? What's what's the what's the one you're watching this season? Oh, the one Christmas movie. I don't know, Michael. Do, do you? Oh, know? Uh, but mine is the same every year. Yeah, and I twist our kids' arms to watch it. Um, for whatever reason, they, they don't see the significance of this movie as, as much as I do, but it is my all time favorite movie. I I'm, I'm sure I saw it when it first came out in 1968. Uh, but, uh, I don't, I can't say that I've watched it every year since then, but it has always been a favorite and that's the little drummer boy. Um, it is available on YouTube for free. You don't even have to rent it. Uh, Claymation, right. You're talking about the claymation. Yeah, well, the motion, motion, stop stop motion, motion. stop motion motion animation. Uh, It's just a beautiful story. I mean, it's totally 
uh, nothing related to the Bible and or any events in the Bible, except for this little boy who wants to just give his best for Jesus. And uh, and so I, I, you will enjoy that if you haven't seen it. If I'm going to go back to my own childhood as well, uh, I I found Andy, it last this year. This is my childhood. This is my adulthood. I watched this I, today. I, mean, I, I remembered when you said when you said 1968. I was like, that's not his childhood. <laughs> but but when I was thinking stop motion, got me thinking about other stop motion. And so last year I found it, and I know I need to rewatch it. The claymation Christmas special um, with the California raisins. And, oh my! Uh, oh yeah, I'm going <laughs> yeah. way back. So uh, because you said that, Michael, it jogged my memory. I need to make sure to watch that. Um, I know this is the Ephesiology podcast, and we're talking about Jesus, um, but there's not really a whole lot of like super awesome, well-made, everybody loves it Christmas movies that are about Jesus. So that's kind of a bummer. So I appreciate the the little drummer boy actually is geared towards that and uh um there is an aspect of that certainly uh in the claymation christmas um but the closest thing i can get to it without jesus honestly i still think um the the muppets christmas carol is going to be a a watch for me and it's so funny because it's kind of like it literally depicts the change of jesus without jesus at all (laughs) so that's kind of problematic um but that's that's what I, what I love about it. It almost makes me cry every time I watch it. It's just, it's beautiful. So there it is. Muppets Christmas Carol. It's Christmas Matt, Carol. how about you? Uh, you know, honestly, one of the favorites here in the Till household is the Peanuts Christmas special. Uh, well, there's a good oh, Jesus. Yeah. And there's Christmas. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, flipping reading out of Luke too. Yeah. So that's always a favorite of ours. Yeah. It's kind of crammed in there, but you know, it's, it's the, it's a famous uh, moment in the, you know, in the story in, in the movie. So that's kind of one of our classics that we watch. And then of course we watch almost all the stop motion ones. Um, you know, Santa Claus is coming all of them with the uh, burger Meister Meister burger. Uh, and, uh, you Rudolph know, the so red nose reindeer, Rudolph the red nose reindeer. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the Grinch is always a classic, the, the original always. Dr. Seuss, you know, animated. And then the new one as well is, is actually quite fantastic. Um, that one's uh, really good. Um, yeah, so I, there's there's a lot that we like to like to turn on and, and to watch. And uh, the star, by the way, that was a really good one that came out a couple years ago. Um, it is uh, definitely very uh, scripture based, um, but it takes it on a different uh, you know storyline where the animals talk, and it's the the story of the birth of Jesus through the lens of the uh, the animals. And, um, it's, uh, it's got a great story to it. We enjoy that one at our house. So yeah, a little bit of Santa Claus, a little bit of the Jesus and all of it's convoluted and our kids don't even know what they're worshiping anymore. So they just can't wait. And so we love it. Let's just put it in. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, whatever. We're just, we're, we're all messed up. Uh, very, uh, you know, here we are full circle again, (laughs) back to where we started. (laughs) this podcast all right well that is it for this uh wonderful christmas edition of the physiology podcast we are really glad that you joined us and are downloading and are sharing this podcast uh with others and uh, we're grateful for you and for doing theology and community with us here at a physiology 
And we're part, we're glad that you're part of that growing Ephesiology global community. Learn more about Ephesiology. Get access to free missional resources for you, your church, and leadership teams at Ephesiology.com. And of course, dialogue with us on our social media platforms. And uh, well, for Michael, Andrew, and myself, Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That was Andrew. We'll talk again right here on the Ephesiology Podcast next time.